Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast. And of course, this is Karen Rands, the host. And, you know, one of the things that we try to do as part of, you know, educating investors and entrepreneurs about best practices for going into the market for scaling and growing a company is also look at at trends and uh, big areas where there's really huge opportunities where you can see complete market shifts. And of course, it should be no surprise that cannabis falls into that category as something I equate it to if you had the opportunity to get involved in the automobile when it was first invented and you have you think about everything we take for granted now, not only is it the manufacturing side, but it's the service side. It's who makes the tires, who puts the tires on, who builds the roads, who does all of that stuff that's part of what we take for granted in an automobile that's where the cannabis industry is and accelerating like a race car with stuff that's happening, particularly in light of what's going on in our legislation right now. And of course, in all these different states. So when I sit through a, a, an event like I did recently, which is the Cannabis Investing Forum, and I see somebody that really knows their stuff and can really bring some great insights into it from both an entrepreneur and an investor. It's like a, it's like a, a golden day. And my guest today, Dr. Devin Kunick, you could say, Dave, excuse me, let me say that again correctly. I didn't sound like David, did it? Dr. David Kunick. How are you, David? Say hello. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me today, Karen. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, David here and uh, understand why I'm excited about this interview we're going to have. So he began his professional life as a licensed physical therapist and personal trainer in sports medicine. He has his doctorate in healthcare management and physical therapy. And while doing that, he launched UCS Consultants in 2012 as a modern day pioneer in the cannabis industry to use his wellness knowledge and experience to educate the national market on the health benefits of cannabis consumption. Overlapping that initiative, he launched Pazoo, which was a testing lab for cannabis and cannabinoids. And in 2017, he relaunched USC Advisors as to uh, US, the USC Consultants to USC Advisor, which US, U, I'm sorry, UCS stands for Use Cannabis Safely. And uh, I had to keep looking at that when I was going back to the website and going, it's not that other advisory firm. So. Um, so he's been advising businesses, expanding into cannabis, investor relations for cannabis companies directly, offering education and awareness in the market and even running what I mentioned before. You can see if you're watching on the video, the Cannabis Investor Forum, which, again, is how I met him. So welcome again, officially, now that we, everybody knows who you are. Well, I appreciate I appreciate being here, Karen. So thank you. And uh, and we can't really post everything on LinkedIn. Long story short, um, I used to run the number one raid physical therapy clinic in North Jersey, eight years in a row, had the contract for some professional teams, worked with a lot of Olympic athletes. From there, we actually got involved in cannabis all the way back in 2009. 
We're providing information to the public about the benefits of medical cannabis, as well as the benefits of CBD. Before it was cool to be in cannabis or CBD. Um, and technically on paper, uh, I've been blessed. I've started 13 companies in the last wow. 18 years. I've sold seven of them. In terms of cannabis, I've started seven different cannabis companies in five different states. Um, wow. One of the original uh, members of the New Jersey Cannabis Business Association. I've also sat on state boards for three other states for cannabis as well, too. And one of the main reasons why we started UCS Advisors is UCS actually stands for two things. One is use cannabis safely. And the second one is use common sense. Yeah. And, and so it has two, rule, two, two rules. And when it comes to UCS Advisors, we're about four years old and we help companies get prepared to take on investors to take mm -hmm. on outside capital. And a lot of people don't realize when you're raising money, there's an art to it. You know, you go to the lawyer for the legal work. You maybe go to a business coach for the business plan, but when it actually comes to raising money, there's a whole art to it and there's a certain way to go about it. Sure. And then on the flip side, we work with about almost 400 individual investors here in the US and about 150 of them over in Europe and we help find them different deals to get involved with. And about 75 to 8% of our deals are all cannabis and hemp related. Uh, we found some very great hidden gems over the years, um, <clears throat> which, which really gets us uh, ad additional investors that look at different opportunities. And also now we also offer a, a program where if you don't qualify as a credit investor, or maybe you don't want to put 50 or $100,000 into a private deal that might take four or five, four or five years, we actually offer our own program where we actually do a 30% return on investment in 15 months or less. So we really give people options. And what's interesting for that last option, that minimum investment is only five grand. So we actually have other financial advisors, financial planners to actually give us anywhere from five to 10 grand to try out our program. Sure. Once it works out for them, they're like, great, we'll refer our other clients because you're right. Cannabis is here to stay. Yeah. And my, my funnest fact, and, and you know, when it comes to raising money and investing, let's just call spade a spade. Was the only industry for the last 16 plus years to increase a minimum of 115% year after year? Wow. It's cannabis. You know, was it one out of every four, one out of every five Americans live in a state? That's some form of cannabis laws and regulations that sell this plant. So it's here to stay. It's not going. Oh, anywhere. yeah. Oh, no, it's not. Well, and the whole reasons why it became illegal to begin with are were fabricated reasons. Right. So, well, so I want to ask you, because uh, the as as you're kind of venturing into this space, you know, on your public record. But when we were talking, you said it was a little bit earlier. But what was it that? You looked around, you know, you live in New Jersey, you pretty much have lived in New Jersey, I, you know, 2012 or before that, you know, you said, I'm going to put my passion, my energy, my efforts into this really kind of a public service as well as make some money on the cannabis industry. And New Jersey just in March, you know, le uh, recreationally legalized it. 
And so that's been 10 years thereabouts or more, right? So what was it that you said, the future is bright and I'm going to go do this? Or was it just a, a real advocacy that started it off because it wasn't as um, available and legal? I mean, I know there was some like so, know, uh, California mentioned Maine, but you know, great tell me about question. that. And, and it really goes back to the start of my physical therapy career. So I started my physical therapy uh, career in the state of Maine. Maine's had okay. medical marijuana since 1999. I started treating patients back in 2000, 2001. So here I am treating patients in the state of Maine and they're already introducing medical cannabis to patients. And Maine was the second state to introduce medical cannabis. California's number one back in 1996. Then when I uh, moved back to New Jersey, started my own clinics, it was very taboo to talk about the benefits of, of, of medical cannabis. And when you read your medical code of ethics as a medical professional, it says there it's in your duty and it's in your, and, and you, and, and your medical code of ethics to fight for the patient's behalf if there's a better medical treatment out there and to also empower them with every option out there. Yeah. So why could we offer this medical, this, this plant to people in certain states but not others? Right. And we found out people were afraid to kind of talk about it. So that's how we really started to get in there. We did a lot of education. At one point, we're producing uh, over 50 plus articles a day on health and wellness, on wow. CBD, medical cannabis, and pretty much that's how it all started. And it kind of evolved from there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, um, thank you. Glad that you were that pioneer and have done as much as what you've done in creating wealth for entrepreneurs and investors in this space. So, you know, let's, uh, let's sort of like lay the foundation because it's been a little bit of time since I've done a show on the, the cannabis capitalist. So lay the, the landscape of where we are right now um, separate from the federal and what's going on up in Washington, but the legalization of cannabis across the U.S. and kind of pending, you know, where it, where it is, uh, you know, just a status check for us. So sure. So um, a great question. And really, if we look at this as a 30,000 foot view is let's just call a spade a spade. All right. When you're in the middle of a pandemic, what always says well? drugs, alcohol, yeah. you know, and I hate to say it, cannabis is still technically a drug. It did very well. Okay. It did extremely well. People were worried about, oh, the Trump administration or the Obama administration, the Biden. Once again, we already talked before what industry in the last 16 years plus 115% year after year after year, it's here to stay. Now, another, thir another 30,000 foot view, there's over 30 states that have medical cannabis rules and regs. You have over 10 plus states that have legalization. You, when you look at the numbers on this, uh, California, Colorado, <clears throat> uh, Massachusetts, even the state of Maine, what it brings in for tax revenue. And now let's take another step further. And I'm gonna pick on the state of Maine for a second because their cannabis sales went so, have increased so much, it's their top agriculture uh, product in really? the state. Wow. Think about that. And then if you add in hemp, and people forget at one point, about 60, 65 raw hemp in the US was imported from China. That's not happening anymore now. So <clears throat> in the grand scheme of things, you're also seeing now more companies going public here on the American Stock Exchange. You're seeing more businesses also make different verticals. As you mentioned earlier, great example, we had a steel company 
and the steel company, which for privacy reasons, I can't say which one, but they wanted about 10% of their business to now be for building the, uh, the steel for the warehouses to grow cannabis. They actually engaged with us back in 2018 for about a year and a half. And we helped navigate that field. We're now 14% of their business. Wow. And it was clients. That's, um, that's a growth so, strategy that a lot of companies should consider something like that, thinking outside the box on the uh, target market. Yeah, so, so in terms of investing, it's here to stay. But now this is where it gets tricky. And this is one of the reasons why we started UCS Advisors. There's a lot of bad deals out there. Yeah, a lot sure. of people who say, oh my God, like, like, let me ask you this, Karen. Karen, do you like pizza? Yeah, yeah. I like pizza too. Doesn't mean I'm gonna open up a pizza parlor or right. a pizza restaurant. No, like that's not gonna happen. So <laughs> you gotta really decipher what the good deals are out there, where the deals are going, the cost to enter the market. And as an investor, you know, uh, people that are, are New York and New Jersey, yes, legalization's here, yes. But when you pull back the, the, the layers, okay, you're really not gonna see uh, legal sales happen for maybe 18 to 24 months. If sure. you open up something new, you're looking at your return on investment maybe being four or five years away. Like the markets like New Jersey and New York are still going to be there to develop, but you have other opportunities such as like in Oklahoma, Michigan, uh, in different areas in New England to invest your capital now, get a pretty good ROI over the next 18 to 24 months. Now take some of that capital, put some of it towards New York and New Jersey. Um, so, and the next part is too, in terms of the investing landscape is eventually the Safe Banking Act, hopefully will pass, which will really kind of open up the banks. It's interesting to see, and as someone who um, uh, has investors who, who, who work for banks, they're itching. They're itching just for that to pass. Because oh, yeah. To see how well these companies are doing without American institutional money behind them is a great example. Yeah. Yeah, it is because that's uh, that's been a huge challenge for business for cannabis businesses that are pure cannabis to actually operate as you know a normal business with the normal deductions, the normal you know uh, just whatever help to do the cash flow and how much do they actually get to pocket and all that kind of stuff. And then even I thought like if so like the steel company for example they have to audit that line of business, right? When it comes to banking, so they can really, I mean, the wall that they set of how they use their other resources for that and things like that, isn't there still some regulations? Well, well, regulations it's, an, well it's considered an ancillary non-plant touching. Like, oh, example, so, so it's all the plants are the ones that are the issue. Yeah, so it's a plant touching. So if you're actually growing it yourself, okay, that's tougher with banking. If you're selling it, I have a dispensary that's been a little bit tougher, but like, if you're, if you're a law firm that specializes in cannabis, no, uh, you don't get really, right. if you're a website okay. design company, uh, you know, not so much, you know, um, you know, uh, when I had testing labs, we used to bank with a small company called Wells Fargo, like that back in the day. Um, so it really kind of varies overall in, in general on what aspect of the business that you are in. Yeah. I interviewed a, a banking guy that, that their bank does do that and, and the fiduciary responsibility that the banking regulations makes them to monitor the books and the things like that. And I, and it, and it, it was based off of the plant touching. And so when, do you see that this, uh, the difference between like limits of legalization, whether it's medicinal or it's this, all these different kind of patchwork that we have all over the um, United States for this. Do you see if something happens at 
the federal level, the I guess it's the House Bill 420 law and the banking laws, if that comes down, will there be a big shift on the risk profile from, you know, because there was a scarcity and then there's not a scarcity? Or how do you see that playing out? How are you preparing for the inevitable that's going to happen in the next five years? So great question. Um, and, and this comes down, this comes down to what you, what your goals are as an investor. And that's what we tell all our clients here at UCS advisors, what are your long-term goals? What are your short-term goals? Um, in reality, in five years from now, are you still going to have a good return on investment investing in cannabis and hemp? Yes. But is it going to be as much as it is now over the next two to three years? No, it's not. And so it really depends on, on what your risk profile is, where, you know, if you're sitting here and you're investing in a, a company that's operating in multiple states, once the rules and regs change and they can actually transfer over state lines, yeah, you're in for a pretty nice payday, you know, but verse, if you're investing in a small company, it's only going to have maybe just one facility in one state where your upside is going to be limited. But as I tell people, okay, what if you can make 30 or 40% in two years? That's phenomenal. No, even if you can make a hundred percent in two years, that's great. Um, so then on top of that too, it, it comes down to also looking at, as you said, the ancillary services, the technology products. Uh, you know, you're seeing different people that are doing part real estate deal, part equity deal in, in, into the dispensary or the grow. You're seeing a lot of deals with people thinking outside the box, but it really comes down to is what kind of return on investment are you looking for and in what time frame? Um, and, and that really kind of goes back to uh, talking to an investor relations advisor that's, that's been in this industry. And that's, and I'm not here to, to talk about my own company, but that's pretty much why UCS advisors was, was made out of demand. You had investors going to co conferences all around the country and they couldn't find the great deals. They couldn't find those, those yeah. hidden gems. They couldn't find those, those needle in the haystack deals. Yeah. Um, well, I can say it. So to go get more information, Go to UCSADVISOR, advisor is OR.com. And there you go. You can, uh, can connect up and, uh, and, and learn more about specifically the services and, and things that uh, UCS offers. And, and, the, the and then how do they plug into the forum? How do they plug into the forum? Or go ahead. I'm sorry. Say what you're going to say. I'm sorry. A forum? The Cannabis Investor Forum, how do they plug in? Oh, so for the Cannabis Investor Forum, um, that's actually uh, run by uh, uh, another company. I've been an investor judge on it numerous times. Um, <clears throat> I've also been a moderator for the event too. Um, they can always just reach out to us directly through the website. We'll okay. give them all the information. If any company is looking to present on the Cannabis Investing Forum, um, we actually work with about three or four uh, conferences that you can actually pitch your company to. So if that's something that you want, you're interested in, you can feel free to reach out to us at ucsadvisor.com. Um, and one thing we also bring up as well too to people is that if you're looking about becoming an investor and need some, some direction, I always tell people, instead of going and throwing away 40, 50 grand, you may want to spend a few hundred dollars on having, you, having someone help you do some research <coughs> on on the product that you actually might be investing in. Because you never know, this, this is a small community. I've been in the industry for over a decade. And we kind of joke around, there's not too much out there that have been in the industry for over a decade. Uh, not too much have actually started companies in this industry, sold companies in the industry, and also been an investor in this industry. Yeah. So, so it, it, it really gives people 
kind of, kind of what's out there and um and something that we're very proud of on our website we we actually have investors of ours who actually gave their first and last name and talk about their experiences with us. And you know, Karen, <laughs> investors are very, very, very private people when they make money. They don't talk about very much, let alone saying, hey, here's a quote that you can put on your website. Yeah, so really. We actually put a limit of eight. We have more than that, but it's something we're really proud of. Because yeah. you, you know, when, when you invest, you're usually very mum about about things. <laughs> yeah, and you know, years ago, cannabis was not as... Traditionally, investment accepted. It was sort of definitely the one-off, the emerging field that a lot of people that weren't as knowledgeable about the industry thought it was. Um, like I, in fact, I had a friend of mine that I knew he had had a little cash, and I was like, "Hey, I'm starting this podcast. You should really look at it and start looking at thinking about investing in cannabis." And he, this was probably four years ago. And he said, oh, it's too late to get in cannabis. <laughs> so like, so it, 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 this, is, this is the other thing is too that, and I think it's funny you say that because I have people say, oh, well, I want at least a 15 times return in three years. I go, great. When you find that deal, please bring it to me. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm like, that was like seven, eight years ago. Now that like, there's enough research out there, you have enough public trade companies who can review their financials. So you, you can always do a compare and contrast and it's, and I tell people too, I go find another industry where you're going to make, you know, 200% in three years. Yeah. You're not going to always find that. You're not going to always find that grand slam, but there's so many still good opportunities out there between the, the public and the private sector. Yeah. And, and it, it really comes down to what your level of comfort is. Well, and I think too, that one of the things that I, I'm sort of predicting in the marketplace is that because so many of these, and this is the thing you have to, somebody like you becomes really important for investors to look at is because you may hear in the press that, you know, such and such state just, you know, did legalize this or that or the other, right? The timeline, number one. Number two, what is the rate? How are they doing the licensing? Some of them are a flat licensing program. Some of them are very um, vertical, and it's really expensive to get a license so only the big boys can play. And so there's been, you know, it's like kind of all over the place in a patchwork when it comes state by state. And when and if this does move forward in the, at the very least, decriminalization and helping and, and opening up the banking laws on this, there's probably going to be a lot of bigger, more like the bigger companies that will do a lot of acquisitions where they already have one of those dispensaries that, you know, has already been planted now. So there may be some exit strategies in two and three years, assuming that, you know, this legalization on a national well, and, level and, and, goes and this forward. Goes back, and this goes back to investing. And I'm happy you brought that up because if you call a spade a spade, less than 10% of all companies in any sector gets acquired. Right. So each time someone says, oh, I'm going to get acquired. I'm like, well, what if you don't? Because those big boys are going to run you out of town eventually. And, and this is where we go back as an investor we tell people, hey, th you might want to invest in some of these smaller companies, but depending on what their exit strategy is, it may or may not be a good fit for you on what your goals are. And then if you take another step further, it's, it's also telling people also, okay, there are still opportunities in the, in the public sector and with those larger multiple state operators that, yes, you might pay a little bit more for it right now, but that's a stock you're going to hold for two or three years. Is if you tell people you buy that, throw it to the side. Yeah. And, and the last part is, 
is that people think they're very new to investing in cannabis. Oh, it has to be a grow or it has to be a dispensary. And we're like, no, there's yes. so many other opportunities out there. And a great example is there was a vaporizer hardware company and we started, we found them in 2019 and people are like, Oh, I don't know. We got it in their friends and family round. They're now about to do their series B round and we're still recommending them to our investors, but then people are like, well, it's a vaporizer and the vaporizer crisis. And you know what they did, they doubled their revenue during the vaporizer crisis. And then COVID happened. Oh my God. No, they doubled the revenue again. They actually did more than that. In the last two and a half years, their revenue has gone up over 600%. And people are like, wait, you found that deal two years ago? Yeah. It's not a grower. It's not a dispensary. I'm like, yeah, they're actually producing the hardware for the vaporizer battery, yeah. which is needed. Like there's a lot of great options out there. It might not be flashy, but you know what? Money's money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I first, when I first got the idea that I needed to educate my investor and entrepreneur audiences, and you and I are both members of the family office club. And, uh, and I had met this company that had a fund. They were out of California. They had a fund. I was like, and at the time he was like, oh, I don't know if I could go on a podcast. He was really kind of, you know, quiet, but he was networking for investors there. And they had um, invested already at that point. One was a vaping saying it was like when vaping was just like real brand new when it came to that space and then the other one was a testing lab because on the medicinal side that's such a huge thing where they have to test everything about what goes on with this plant before it gets you know broken down and you know all of that kind of stuff and and make sure there's no chemicals in it and all those kind of things and uh and he says they can't even they were running their lab like at that time like 24 7 there was such a shortage of testing labs because so many companies were you know and so there's such a gambit of or or silos if you will of what you do whether it's extraction it's testing it's product it's uh-huh. you know the things that work along the product or like even like you talk about with the the steel thing there's all the stuff that goes into the grow part i mean there's so many aspects in your general what you see kind of in the in the the landscape now, is there a, a part of that sort of field of sectors or silos that kind of make up the industry that you steer away from because they're too volatile and fluctuating? The licenses may change or the, the rules so may change. Great, so, so, so or, great question. So, so great question. So um, we tend to stay away from small grow operations and small dispensary operations. Because our very first question is, how are you going to expand? You need to have multiple locations. If you're gonna open up one dispensary and that's it, you're not, it's, not gonna be, it's gonna be very tough to raise that four or $5 million. But if you have a plan to maybe open up three or four dispensaries over a course of two years, now we can start talking. Um, so when it comes to actually the dispensaries and the grow operations, if, they're, if they don't have a plan to be, have multiple locations over several years, we tend to stay away from that dramatically. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, though, extraction facilities, we are really liking a lot. There's a huge demand for it. Also, yeah. hemp extraction facilities. Um, we actually uh, just had a publicly traded company join forces with an up-and-coming hemp extraction company to get the best of both worlds, both the public and the private sector together, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty exciting. <clears throat> um, the, the other... Uh, like way we look at things is that anything that can be technology-based or ancillary services that can have both domestic and international sales. Uh, okay. Great example is like some hemp clients 
are both doing domestic international sales. That's great. Uh, some vaporizer hardware companies, domestic and international sales. You know, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, which is nice. But once again, answering your question, if you're looking for just a small little opportunity, we tend to stay away from that unless, you know, we work out some deal where we're getting maybe a loan with a royalty kicker or something like that. Um, we have a few of those deals in place that we've rolled into our, uh, our 30% return on investment program in, in 15 months or less, where what's nice is that uh, unlike a, a fund, Karen, or unlike, you know, a regular financial advisor, actually you're betting on the jockey, not the horse. We take yeah. 100% of the responsibility. If we mess up, forget the economy, forget COVID, forget the stock market, we take 100% of the risk. So, which is kind of nice where we're on the hook for everything. Um, and, and, you know, the reason why we did that is that, you know, we kind of say, you know, put your money where your mouth is, you know, right. If, right. Um, and especially with this industry, it's, as you said, it's always constantly changing and, and people forget, unlike other sectors, but in the beginning of like the big tech boom, all the, all the money people and all the board people, we all knew one another. They all knew one another. And in cannabis, if you've been doing this for over a decade, a lot of us know one another, you know, we've done business at some point and, and we do business in, in five different states. And now we represent cannabis clients in over 20 different states here in the U.S. You know, there's a lot of overlap in last interview. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things. So like I was listening to a podcast on, it was a, a marketing strategy, something, something, I don't know, but it was a, for a cannabis company and the cannabis mm-hmm. company was doing infused uh, liquids or infused drinks, fizzy drinks. And uh, I would happen to be out in California. So I um, used the inevitable weed map to find a place that had that product. Cause I wanted to give it a shot. And, uh, and, you know, it got, and I, as I was listening to their call and I was thinking it, and it wasn't easy, it wasn't widespread. And I thought, how do you invest in something like that, that is going to scale? Because there's only, you know, whenever there's a product, there's a, a larger cost of goods associated with it versus, you know, other things like that, particularly consumer products. And you have to, there's so much more of a consumer education that has to happen. And do they like it? You know, that kind of stuff. And so, um, I thought, you know, they're they're going to be stuck in how much they can grow until it becomes where they can transport across state lines. And then I would think that some of those kind of companies that have a five year or so have shown steady growth within their state community would be really primed for expansion and funding for expansion once we get to a point that you can go. And, and, and if, Karen, let's take another step further. If not everyone in the industry likes the alcohol uh, analogy, but you're going to have the, the, the Bud Lights of the world and the Miller sure. Lights of the world of cannabis. And then you're going to have the whole custom cannabis, like the microbreweries. And you're already starting to see that. Um, like there, there's one company that, that, that has uh, locations, I want to say in eight different states now, eight or nine different states. And people joke around, they call them the Walmart of cannabis. But listen, they're doing well. And people that really want custom-made medicine, they're going to go and, and spend the more money, kind of like a nicer bottle of wine or a nicer, you know, a nicer beer than get that microbrewery. And they're going to go with that, that smaller custom grow. So, you know, you, you, that's going to eventually level itself out. Yeah, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. As we start to wrap up here, David, what um, some best practices, recommendations, when somebody's getting started 
you know, trying to, to, to wrap their head around. I mean, obviously you've got a lot of information and you're a great source at UCS. Are there, a, is there a certain trade rag or a certain, uh, uh, someplace, a, a certain forum that you think people should start educating themselves uh, about the industry to, you know, get some basic and just kind of sure. you know, basic knowledge? You know, one of the biggest things I tell people is this, if you, one of the largest daily subscriptions is MJ Biz Daily dot com and you can go to mj like for mary jane biz b-i-z daily dot com and they do a, a a daily newsletter and you can also subscribe to their bi-monthly magazine um which is giving you a whole bunch of different insight in the industry um yeah. another thing i tell people too when it comes to it, it investing and, and looking at the different forms is that you have like canna investor magazine um that we actually used to do a lot of work with um you also have Cannabis Business Times. I mean, there are so many publications out there. And, la and lastly, we talked about LinkedIn, Karen. Like there are more Cannabis Investing Forums on LinkedIn. You can just join a group and, and start poking your head around. But what I will tell people is this, is that if you're going to spend more than 10 grand, 15 grand investing in cannabis, go to an investor relations advisor that has experience in this industry go pay the, the 200 bucks an hour or the 300 bucks an hour and maybe spend a thousand bucks and getting some insight and some advice before you go below 15 grand or so. Sure. You know, absolutely. Just, it's so many people that don't do that. And, and the one thing I will say is this, is that, and we work with financial advisors all the time. We are not anti-financial advisors, but remember financial advisors, depending who they're working for, are not allowed to tell you about private deals in the cannabis sector. They're not allowed to tell you about deals that you can invest in the microcap sector for, for cannabis. They're not allowed to tell you about even just any cannabis stock. And the reason why I bring that up is that people say, oh, well, hmm, I don't really know that. That's a little speculative. And I tell people, if your financial advisor is not doing their due diligence on this industry, they're not doing you service. Yeah. Because they tell you to invest in technology. They'll tell you to invest in oil. They'll tell you to invest in energy. But at one point... That sector was new. Cannabis has been here now for over 15 solid years. It's not going anywhere. You go to a financial advisor in Colorado, they're going to talk to you about cannabis. You oh, go yeah. to a financial advisor in LA, they're going to talk to you, but you go to a financial advisor sometimes in Georgia, in New Jersey. Yeah, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Georgia, for example. Or like I joke around, we just did a, a Zoom call with a couple of financial advisors in North Carolina and they knew nothing about the industry. Like, and we have clients that want to do something. So they actually brought us in to do a group call with their clients to educate them what's out there. So make sure you look at this sector. And if you were to use your old, like the traditional warden school of business, take 5% of your portfolio and put it into something risky, about 5% really should be cannabis. And if you're not doing at least 5% of cannabis, you're losing this opportunity. I'm telling you I right agree. now, and, and this is your modern day tech boom. This is your modern day gold rush. You know, say what you want about crypto and Bitcoin, all that stuff. Canvas is still going to be here. Yep. And remember, we don't, we don't even have the big financial institutions behind it yet. Yeah. Imagine yeah. what happens when that does occur. It's very good time to get into cannabis. I know that I am uh, actually doing that due diligence and figuring stuff out and we'll be in contact with you myself with a group of friends that we're saying, okay, it's time, you know, and, uh, Let's get serious about this before the opportunity slips us by. So, yeah. 
Well, thank you very much, David Kunick. I, Dr. David Kunick, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show today. Any last words to, to leave our audience with? For anyone that's raising capital, our number one green nugget we tell people is this, failure to plan is planning to fail. Once again, ah. failure to plan is planning to fail. You can raise money in this industry very easily if you have all your ducks in a row. So just plan ahead and you can be very successful. Absolutely. It's a lot of the advice I give companies as well. So thank you again very, very much. And with that, we'll uh, close out onwards and upwards. And I want to encourage folks to, again, uscadvisors.com, UCSadvisors.com. Yeah, Did I say it wrong? Yeah, I was like, uh, the second time you got it right, UCS. <laughs> UCS. Now, everybody remember that UCSadvisors.com. If you end up over at University of Southern California or University of Southern Carolina, you know you got the letters wrong. <laughs> so you got to switch those things out. All right. And, uh, and with that, and please also visit KarenRance.co and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this and give us a good thumbs up and five stars and share it with some friends. Onwards and upwards. Excellent. Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about compassionate capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools, which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Cougarand Capital Holdings. It's a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit KarenRands.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network and our sponsors and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.